everyone. Welcome to another edition of the Pioneer Perspective. As always, my name is Brad, and I am joined by a very tired, very exhausted, near-death Alex. Hello. He is dying. So, I've been Zooming nonstop for the past three days, so I'm kind of tired, but I also want to talk about spoilers. So, we're just going to jump right into spoilers. The only thing I will mention very briefly, which we will talk about again, I suppose, come... uh, this Saturday's recording with uh, Adrian. We'll be doing our top five for Strixhaven. Aggro is back, Alex. We have some aggro decks. We had Golgari. I'm sorry, not Golgari. We had Gruel. We had Gruel win one challenge and then straight up burn win the other challenge over the weekend. So, uh, I mean, I told people, play aggro. They listened. Burn's probably pretty good right now. And turns out, Burn's actually pretty good right now. Yeah. I mean, I think I, I, think I mentioned it last week when doing like the Demir talk. We were like, yeah, if you just play Burn, you bring in four uh, Boiling Vortex. What are you going to do? Aether Gust, two of them. Boop, boop. Yeah, you just wait. Yeah. You literally just, you play it and you just wait. It's the easiest game ever. But yeah, looking at the top eight of both of those uh, challenges, I believe like six or seven out of eight on each of them were some form of an aggro deck. And if you now look at, what surprised me more, if you look at the metagame breakdown, like the general one in Goldfish, and you look at the, the past seven days, I think even the past 14, Phoenix is the third most played deck or something like that, third or fourth. Which is kind of crazy. Yeah, even if you do the, even if you do the last thirty, Phoenix is considered the third. Yeah, that surprised me. Maybe they like cleaned up a lot after like that. I don't know if they cleaned up the Crew Three event yet. That kind of skewed with everything. They they did. It it is gone. So maybe they deleted more. Maybe they just went from then on, whoop, and they just <laughs> <laughs> got rid of all of it. Yeah, they. If you look at the last thirty, it's Demir Control at eleven point eight percent, Burn at eight and a half, Five Color Control at six point seven, and then. Is it Phoenix at 6.4? And the five core control is the standard four core fires. I'm actually just really happy to see some aggro. It's a good sign for the meta game that we weren't uh, just stuck with like slow decks at the top, which uh, we suffered from yeah. during our invitational where no one played aggro or not enough people played aggro. I love the invitational. I was just tired. Same. I was simply tired. <laughs> the only deck that's popped up besides Phoenix as being like a quote unquote newer deck is there's a new variation of Jund. It's going all in on the Witch's Oven Calder Familiar plan. And instead of running things like, uh, what's the Eldrazi? The Scion Maker and stuff like that. Catacomb Sifter. Yeah, instead of running that and uh, and even Priest of Forgotten Gods, it's just going into Calder Familiar and then it's running some Fatal Push Thoughtseize, Witch's Oven, only two Citadels main, and then two Corvold in the main. So in 24 lands. Oh, also four Trail of Crumbs. So it's just junk food, really. Yeah, it's 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 a bit more uh, similar to the historic build. But yeah, I mean, we'll see which one ends up being the better of the two. Um, no Coco in this, so yeah, that's worth noting. They they both function as different decks. This one is a lot more grindy. Yeah, than the other one. Does not seem fun to play against. But we do have spoilers. Yeah, the meta's pretty much how it is we have aggro again hooray we'll talk about that more later and to kick us off you have a very special simic slash uh quandrix card you want to talk about yes we've got our little math magician zimone zimone yeah probably quandrix prodigy um simic color so it's a green and a blue for a one two human wizard legendary creature one tap you may put a land card from your hand to the battlefield tapped. 
four tap draw a card if you control eight or more lands draw two cards instead this just it's just just pretty good value creature like i i like this as an idea i mean we've had more cards like this recently i feel like it serves sort of a similar role to like jace in the control mirrors like two mana jace mm-hmm. where you try and like get your jace down early and it's gonna sit there and get you value i feel like this card is gonna work very similarly I don't know if it is actually good enough, but it is if like it finds a home, but it is a very powerful standalone card. Yeah, I mean, it, you look at the uh, four mana tap uh, to draw a card. If you control eight or more lands, draw two instead. On theory or on paper, you're like, oh, that seems a little expensive. But when you realize her first part is just ramp and a deck that obviously wants to ramp with other things, like you're playing Grow Spiral, you're playing the new Eureka moment in this deck, probably. Um, this shouldn't be too hard to, you know. This kind of looks like the type of card you'd use to build, like, team or wreck without wreck. Mm-hmm. Like, that's sort of the type of deck it fills it. Like, a big spell, a lot of mana, or probably teamer. I think this generally goes in a teamer deck, not just a Simic deck. That's, like, the type of place where I would see it. Uh, maybe Bant? Yeah, Bant works, too. Uh, I do think you want to be careful about you want this in a deck that doesn't run board wipes because you're going to end up killing your value engine. So that's obviously the big difference with Jace, which at one point will transform into a Planeswalker, which means you can start wiping the board. This will just always stick around and be a creature instead. So it's interesting. I think the card is very powerful. It goes in Bant Simic Ascendancy, which we'll get to in a second because we didn't talk about this card yet. And I'm just going to jump right to it. Actually, I have two other ones. I guess we'll talk about Eureka Moment. Yeah, you're missing... So- you're missing some great cards. Oh, you're missing Leon and Lightscribe. I mean, you built Boros Aggro with this. Yes, uh, I think that's going to be amazing. And I don't want to touch on Leon and Lightscribe and the other card as well uh, too much in this episode because I these are in my top five. Spoilers. Yeah, these are in my top five. And I'm, I'm going to go a bit more in depth. Wait, Lightscribe and Eureka Moment? Um, Eureka Moment might be. Um, that's another... So I... Alex was very displeased <laughs> with uh, with this message I sent to the uh, group the other day. And I was like, hey, I might have two packages of cards in my top 10 because I feel like they cannot function separately. They have to go together. He's cheating. Okay, it's not... Right, I, I've been wrecking my brain around which one of the six <laughs> cards I should cut. And Brad's like, nah, screw it. I'm just going to put eight cards in my top five. Yeah. <laughs> I was looking, I was counting, like, I had eight <laughs> cards. And I'm like, hmm, these can all fit. <laughs> uh, but yeah. But just for the uninitiated, uh, which I can't blame you for not knowing what cards do based on their name. The set's been out for like a week. Spoiled. It's not even playable yet. Leon and Lightscribe, one and a white for a cat cleric. Magecraft. Uh, it's a 2-2. Magecraft. Whenever you cast an instant or source, cast or copy an instant or sorcery spell, creatures you control get plus one plus one until end of turn. So basically, it's like a Delis to Cinderwind, except it's not for wizards; it's for your whole board. Yeah, I was just gonna say it's it's a it's a prowess lord essentially. Yeah, it this thing is amazing. I'm actually doing an entire write up. I have uh, I have the first uh, 300 words of my primer written up for uh, for this card. I mean, this is like this is totally the type of like boros feather style deck and what i then really like about it is that it doesn't matter if you target this you can target your heroic creatures and still get the benefit out of leon and lightscribe yeah but we won't touch on this too much we'll move on to the next card which is eureka moment yes uh two green blue for an instant draw two cards you may put a land card from your hand onto the battlefield this is just grove spiral 
with draw two for uh, two mana for an extra draw on it, which is great because Grove Spiral is great. Yeah, uh, I've seen some people say that they think this card is meh, and I'm like, you're meh. This card's great. I mean, look the the standard that we've always known under a control deck goes well in with Grove Spiral. Turn two Grove Spiral. Turn three, you can cast this. Yeah, exactly. That's it's an amazing thing, and you have to remember the standard for which you rate a two mana i'm not two mana. i'm sorry draw two cards at instant speed is what four mana it's always four mana for the most part yeah but they always come with upside and this is definitely upside yeah so this is this is this is a good upside too and that's where i feel like it's a very considerable card ramping and instant speed is just really strong in control decks because you want to jump ahead on mana but you don't want to tap out to do it so this card perfectly fits in your strategy of wanting to ramp but never really finding the opportunity to, except now you do because you have instant speed. Yeah, this card is very, very good. Um, anyone who says they don't think it's that great is uh, kidding themselves. Like, I mean, I would, I can imagine, I, I can see a point for thing like this card isn't like fantastic, but yeah. it's good. This is definitely a good card, arguably a great card. Yes. I mean, when I saw Grow Spiral spoiled originally, I was like, this is this is really good, right? Am I the only one thinking that this is just crazy? Like, this is crazy as a card? And everyone's just like, eh. I'm like, it's... Uh, instant Speed Explorer. That's, that's so good. <laughs> so, speaking of traditional ramp spells, talking about Explorer, uh, the next card I want to touch on is Emergent Sequence. Yeah. It's one on a green for a sorcery. Search your library for a basic land card. Put it onto the battlefield tapped, then shuffle your library. That land becomes a 0-0 green and blue fractal, fractal creature that's still a land. Put a 1-1 counter on it for each land you had entered the battlefield under your control this turn. I mean, this is rampant growth with the quote-unquote downside that your opponent can kill it. Yeah. But this is 2 mana for a 2-2. Two, two. Generally, if you play a land, then cast this. It's 2 mana... For a 2-2 that finds you well. It's just Knight of the White Orchid. But then, without the huge requirement of your opponent having to... Um, having to control more lands than you, without the ridiculous mana cost of white-white, this is a really, really good card. Yeah. Um, if you're not playing against a black deck, this feels really nice. <laughs> if they push it, you're a little sad. Um, but... It is ramp at the end of the day. I mean, even then, right? Like, okay, your opponent pushed your thing. Like, it happens, right? You didn't... All you lost was... You know, you lost a spell and a land, but that land came from your deck. So, yeah, you play creatures, they die to removal, right? The argument why this is would be, like, worse than uh, rampant growth is literally the old dies to removal argument. Well, I don't like creature rampant EDH because board wipes, but... True. Well, we mentioned... Uh, Zimone. I mentioned Eureka Moment, and I also mentioned a little card called Simic Ascendancy. Do you know why I mentioned that card, Alex? I know why. <laughs> it's a beautiful card called Body of Research. It's a mythic. It's triple green, triple blue. Sorcery. Create a zero zero green and blue fractal creature token. Put X plus one plus one counters on it, where X is the number of cards in your library. Now, Alex... This does turn on Simic Ascendancy. This is a Splinter Twin situation. Uh, eh? Splinter Twin? Eh? Eh? 
I mean, it's a two card combo, isn't that? Isn't that the meme? Any any two card combo is a Splinter Twin. I mean, it is the meme, but it is a three mana enchantment that doesn't do anything, followed by a six mana sorcery. Uh, two mana, two mana enchantment. Wait, Simic Ascendancy is two mana? Yes, it is. I thought it was three. Okay. Uh, no, you're think you're thinking of the um, the uh, Amonkhet uh, one, or no, no, not Exxon, uh, Exxon, the Exxon one, the enchantment. The one that puts counters on things? Probably, I'm too tired, whatever. But, like, you're getting your six mana sorcery to resolve. The interesting thing is, is that it immediately triggers the Ascendancy, so your opponent does actually have to deal with the Ascendancy, and your three billion, three billion. Yes. That's currently on the battlefield. Which, you know, they could they could push the token, which, you know, whatever, but the enchantment removal... But then they still lose to the Ascendancy. Exactly, and, and Ascendancy is, uh, for those of you who don't know... And those of you who didn't want to try this card back in the day... Can't blame you. This came out with Ravnica Allegiance. It's a Simic, so green and a blue, for an enchantment. It has one in the Simic color, so, so three mana. And you can pay that to put a plus one, plus one counter on target creature you control. Whenever one or more plus one, plus one counters are put on a creature you control, you put that many growth counters on Simic Ascendancy. At the beginning of your upkeep, if Simic Ascendancy has 20 or more growth counters on it, you win the game. Now this obviously this deck would have been way better if three fairy was still in the format. Instant speed body research, and you're like, okay, I win. Um the cart the combo would be much worse if the fairy was in the format. Because it would be way easier to deal with your Simic Ascendancy. That's true. That's very true. But I mean it would be good if you build an abandoned deck, but I I don't really think you really care about body of research being an instant. Yeah. Because again, you just go like I I mean, you send me the idea of playing it with Quicken. I think that, like, doesn't even matter. Giving this thing flash doesn't matter. You just declare your... You just, like, cast this card for six mana, and you just say to your opponent, like, kill this or you... Uh, kill my ascendancy or you lose, right? Or kill me. Yeah. That's it. I don't care if you... It doesn't matter if you do it at instant speed, right? It, it's obviously better, but, like, your opponent's... A lot of enchantment removal is instant speed anyway. True. So even if you drop it on instant speed, they just go like, okay, kill it now then. Except for Rip Apart, which is our new lore hold removal, which is like essentially a four um a four uh mode charm. Think about it. Yeah, three to a creature, three to a walker, destroy an artifact, destroy an artifact, yeah. Yep. Alright, but body of research, obviously, um, let's be honest, this card is terrible except for the Simic Ascendancy gimmick that might be okay. Oh, yeah, of course. Yeah, this is I feel like it's it's funny that vanilla creatures are so bad they could literally have written on them if this connects you win. And they're, so they're effectively not vanilla, but like they could be so large, so obscenely large that they instantly win the game if they connect, but because they have no evasion, no other effects, they still suck. Like that's kind of the state of magic. Obviously tokens are generally easier to kill too. You can push them, you can eliminate them um abrupt decay like there's so much that works on tokens that wouldn't work on this creature being a six six uh being a six mana card for example very also obvious why this doesn't uh why this has to be a sorcery because otherwise your opponent swings so you just end step <laughs> oh yeah <laughs> i swing for win now which i guess i mean quick it still allows you to do that but if you play this deck if you play this card you play it with simic ascendancy yeah yeah i agree Anyway, moving on from the meme to potentially the dream in Devastating Mastery. Really? 
Do you have any card? Yes, this card is fantastic. Um, so it's two white, 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 white. So six mana in total. Uh, sorcery. Uh, this is from the cycle where you can give your opponent something if you pay for less for it. You may pay... I thought this was the red one, my bad. Oh, no, you may pay... No, the red one is awful. Yeah, that's why I said really? <laughs> you may you may pay uh, two white-white rather than pay the spell's mana cost. If two white-white cost was paid, an opponent chooses up to two non-land permanents they control and return them to their owner's hands. Destroy all non-land permanents. So... What I like about this card a lot is, well, first of all, uh, Planner Cleansing isn't that bad of a card. Like, the only problem with Planner Cleansing is that it is slow. And now you can play it as a 4-mana board wipe, which, I mean, the thing you're probably trying to kill, your opponent will just bounce if you do it quickly. But you care more about it just being off the board if you play this for four mana yeah like if you play this for four mana you're just like i just need time go away right so it it doesn't matter that you bounce your opponent's stuff to their hand because it's like yeah they're gonna replay it okay but now you've effectively time walked your opponent because they had to spend their turn replaying the cards you just bounced and once you play it for six mana it's just planner cleansing like this card is unbelievably good i mean i know we talked in call time that like, oh, Doomscar is maybe the new best sweeper, though it has strong competition from a Supreme Verdict, of course. I mean, I don't want to make a uh, a really bad call, um, potentially, and I will save some of it for the top five, because this is probably going to be in mine, but this might just be one of the best sweepers ever. Though there is another sweeper on, uh, <laughs> in the spoilers that is incredibly good, but this spoiler, this sweeper is incredible because Planar Cleansing is so good in control decks, but it's always too slow, and this card eliminates the downside of Planar Cleansing with the only change being it's four white and two. So it is really hard to cast. Right? You're not casting this in an Esper deck, most likely, unless you're heavily skew your deck white, which you could be able to do. But even if you're on six mana, and you're like, oh, I only have two white mana. You can still pay it for the alternative cost. Use the two mana you saved to hold up a counter spell and then counter the scary thing when it comes down. So even the restrictive mana cost can be avoided if that is the problem you're currently facing. Yeah, I, I when I read this, I was like, I don't care that much about the bounce thing because I'm playing a control deck most likely, so I will just counter them. You, you, yeah, but also you just need time. And this is just so good at buying you time in the meantime, but then being a better sweeper later on when you have the mana to spare. So this card is phenomenal. Speaking of uh, counterspells, I want to go backwards real quick. Decisive Denial, Simic, Instant Speed, choose one. Target creature you control fights target creature you don't control or counter uh, non-creature spell unless it's controller pays three. I like this card a lot. I like the card, but it's two odd things to staple into one card. Which is what makes it cool, because the deck where this. But it works. It works in Simic though, because like you run things like Nissa, so having like your Nissa lands, things like that, or 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 a Hydra Crisis, or even Elder Gargaroth from the side, like this. Yeah, but I know, but you are playing Shit Negate in all other situations. So you've got Shit Negate with the occasional fight spell, and the occasional fight spell 
has to be really worth it in your deck. And if your Nissa land makes it like that, that means you've got three threes. And it's like sometimes your shit negate can like trade your land for a three drop, which is good, but I don't know if the if if the flexibility here is worth the the cost of your negate being shit. I hey, you're looking at a uh, glass half empty kind of standpoint. I'm looking at this as a slightly downgraded mana leak. Okay, that's a positive. Right? It's a glass half full. Hold the phone. <laughs> Hold the phone. Don't insult our Lord and Savior Mana Leak. Like, oh God, I'm still waiting for that card to ever be put in Pioneer. But like, nah, this is blasphemy, Brad. Blasphemy. Especially because we've got kind of a more closer version of Mana Leak later. But anywho... I don't have much more to say about the size of denial. I don't think it's very good. I like the flexibility. I really like how quirky this card is. Like, I really like that they stapled negate and a fight spell on the same card. Because they are such, like, opposites of each other. But that also means that it might just not work at all. Because the effects, like, go in such different decks, generally. Could save you sideboard slots. Maybe. Just have both. Like, hey, I wanted this fight effect and this negate in my Simic sideboard, and now I could... So, the next card I want to touch on real quick, um, spoiled soon after Devastating Mastery, is Silver Quill Silencer. It is a Orzhov, co- Orzhov card. It is white and a black for a human cleric. As Silver Quill Silencer enters the battlefield, choose a non-land card name. Whenever an opponent casts a spell with the chosen name, they lose three life and you draw a card. And it's a 3-2 on the side. Yeah, it's like a more aggressive meddling mage. I like this card a lot. It gives me meddling mage vibes, but they're not as punishing as meddling mage can be. And it's a 3-2 for two. That those those are good stats. Yeah, like the stat the stats are better. Um if your opponent casts a card, they still they still, you know, take some damage to the dome. But like you name you play this you're playing an aggro deck, you play this card, you name Fatal Push. Mm-hmm. Like against a black deck. Like they're ha- they're gonna have to push this first. And then they still two for one themselves. They still take damage. It's like it's like they've been hit by it because it take they take three damage, which is just kind of sweet. My only problem with this card is that I don't really see where it goes. Could it go in uh, humans? Yeah, that's what I was saying. I, I doubt it because the deck is basically one drop tribal plus lords. So I feel like this card's just kind of too slow. Strangely enough, it's a two mana three two, but I just don't know if it's something the deck really wants. Obviously, clerics is like. Lameo clerics but maybe and i don't find its effect like devastating enough to be a sideboard card mm-hmm. right in my sideboard i would really want a meddling mage card like i'd really want a meddling mage and not a somewhat punishing if you cast the spell i've named card rather than you literally just can't so maybe it's just like on the cusp yeah it might just like be very strong but not it just doesn't fit anywhere because it's not a sideboard card, I think. Because in your sideboard, I would want a card that just says, like, my opponent can't cast this. Either Meddling Mage or one of those lessons you might mm-hmm. be able to get out of your sideboard. Like, really just be like, you are not casting a card this turn. So I know I can't be swept. And it's not like I recoup a card if I'm swept. 
Uh, obviously, this card becomes hilarious when you've got multiple copies of it. It is not legendary, so that's nice. And 2 mana 3-2 is a good rate, but I'm not sure if it is a good aggro rate. Because aggro would look like for 1 mana 2 ones. So if you're looking at a 2-drop, you probably want it to have like 4 power to be on rate. You want this to be like a 4-1 or something. That'd be that'd be very good if it was a 4-1, though. Yeah, this card would be very good if it was so aggressively stunted. And that would probably f- mean, like, for aesthetic-wise, it should also deal 4 to your opponent if they cast a card. Whew. No, please. I mean, also a thing we need to keep in mind, we're talking about this card as if you've got, like, perfect information, but you don't. So... Like, Meddling Mage is generally paired with a card like Kaitso Freebooter. So you take one card from your opponent's hand and then name the other, which is, like, a really good, like, one-two. Um, also, I feel like in Modern, where Meddling Mage is played, the removal is a little more obvious. I feel like Pioneer gives you more options. Now, sure, Fatal Push is a safe name, but, like, you're playing against Demir. They've also got, like, Eliminate or Heartless Act, which are all different. Their Sweeper could be, like, Shadow's Verdict or Extinction Event. They could just block it with a Hulk or something, right? There's more options. And now we're looking at, hey, to have that one-two punch, you need to play this card and Kitesil Freebooter, Kite Freebooter in the same deck. And Kitesil Freebooter is just not a Pioneer card. No. So you, you would need another way to get information from your opponent. And the Paolo card's not good enough. Sorry. Rip. Both clerics, though. Want to play a bad uh, white-black cleric deck? I mean, clerics is getting support, right? Clerics are, like, almost 100% going to be in the next D&D set. Mm-hmm. So, you know, maybe one, two, three sets from now, because they clearly want to give some supports to clerics in lots of sets, we might actually have enough clerics to make a deck work. And then this card's going to be very good. Speaking of cards that are probably very good, Test of Talents. One in a blue, instant speed, counter target instant or sorcery spell. Search its grave, uh, controller's graveyard, hand, and library for any number of cards with the same name as that spell and exile them. That player shuffles, then draws card for each card exiled from their hand this way. I like this a lot. This card is potentially really good in the right manner. Mm-hmm. Don't know what you uh, make of it. I've yeah been talking a lot. Yeah, I, I think this card's awesome. Um, I, I wish we had this card during the uh, combo meta of like inverter breach and stuff like that. Though it doesn't hit, it doesn't hit stuff in breach. I mean, hidden strings. Yeah, na- yeah, name hidden strings or poor of the pages. Oh, poor of the pages would be a, a sweet hit. <laughs> um, like no, you cannot draw any cards. Um, and then I guess. Uh, yeah, it doesn't really hit any... It's it's limited to instant or sorcery, so it doesn't hit Sun Gun, like, at all. Because that's just Ballista and whatever. No, like... I mean, it's not even that good against Inverter. I, I feel like it would have been okay against Lotus. It would have been nice against Inverter. I feel like this card is going to frustrate me a lot because people are going to bring it in against me when I'm like, you really shouldn't. Like... Like how people sometimes bring in extraction effects against control, and it's like, I'm going to take one of your wing conditions. And it's like, I'm going to laugh at the fact that you tapped out on turn three and didn't do anything. Or heroic intervention in like any deck that can run it that has creatures. <laughs> like, that's yes. another one. Any deck that can run heroic intervention shouldn't. But, um, yeah, but th- this card is good in the right meta. It basically guarantees that Approach of the Second Sun will never be a good deck. 
Because the moment people start running this, it just, bloop, you don't have a way to win now. And approach, generally, on turn 7, it just taps out and casts the first. Even if it gets countered, because who cares? It's all about the second one. Yeah. You tap out on turn 7, cast it, your opponent is, ha, test of talents, you lose the game. No, no, Alex, you're wrong. You know why? All that's going to happen, if this becomes a thing where, like, approach is a good deck, and they're like, yeah, we're going to run this... Approach is suddenly runs a wishboard and has one on the sideboard. I mean, that seems like a lot of steps to avoid one sideboard card from your opponent. Yeah. So, it's, I mean, just the main thing already, one and a blue counter target instant or sorcery spell is already, like, kind of good. Now, you, you'd run the gate, right, generally. But if the meta, like, really skews towards, like, particularly powerful instants and sorceries... You know, maybe your opponent is playing a um, banned uh, body of research deck and you want to make sure they uh, they won't. Then you could run this. So it, it's super, it, it's a bit narrow, but very powerful and a very interesting take on an extraction effect, which I like. Could you imagine if this was just straight up non-creature spells? Whew. Like this would be like legacy playable. That would have been, would have been like Giga Negate. <laughs> yeah. And it would actually be competition for Dovin's Veto for the best negate variant. That's true. But I'm very happy we don't, by the way. <laughs> Holy crap. And the one right next to it, I don't know what to make of this card. It's really weird. Dream Strix. Which one? Three mana bird illusion flying. When Dream Strix becomes a target of a spell, you sacrifice it. When it dies, you learn. It's a 3-2. Yeah, we'll, we'll talk about this more in our top five where we probably end up talking about lessons. I haven't really seen great ones. There's some good lessons, but the learned cards aren't great either. Yeah. So it's like two medium cards. It's like, are they greater than the sum of their parts? Maybe, but not that much better. This is a three mana, three, two flying. That dies to literally anything. With no literal anything. And it has no relevant creature type either. I mean, at least Yorion is a bird serpent. <laughs> I could play I could play Feather and be like Defiant Strike your Dream Strix. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so yeah, this uh that that's a big feels bad. It's like I can push your Dream Strix, but you don't have revolt. I don't care. <laughs> your Dream Strix really cares though. Yes. Though speaking of removal, yes. We have two Orzov ones that are really interesting. One is arguably really good. The other one is just really cool. Let's talk about the cool one first. I think you know I know which one you mean. Okay. Closing statement. It's three in Orzov colors. Uh, so five mana, instant speed. This spell costs two less to cast during your end step. Destroy target creature or planeswalker you don't control. Put a plus one, plus one counter on up to one target creature you do control. And the flavor text is great. It's just in conclusion, dot, dot, dot. <laughs> I mean, is, this is such a cool card. It, yeah, it's really cool. It, it's Hero's Downfall with a timing restriction. A very narrow timing restriction, but some upside to a regular Hero's Downfall. I mean, putting a 1-1 counter on one of your creatures is like the least you can do. <laughs> Shouldn't it be... Would it be too good if it was just either player's end step? Because unfortunately... Not unfortunately, I'm saying like... But like a lot of times we opt to just do stuff on your opponent's end step all the time anyway. So would that be too good? It wouldn't be too good. It would be fine. I think this would have been fine if it's at any end step. And a closing statement. I suppose you always would do a closing statement, quote-unquote, on your end step. 
because the flavor is like your turn is you making your argument and then you have a closing statement yeah but have you ever taken like or participated in a debate at like school where like no one knows how to follow the structure of a debate and they just jump in on your opponent's end step <laughs> yeah but i feel like the silver quill do because it's kind of their thing ah uh, yes the rotc school so they understand that you don't make your opponent's closing statement because that is your opening statement to your next turn true there should oh there should have been a card called opening statement to go with this and you can only cast it during your upkeep that's really a missed opportunity we should have had and then en and an enchantment that says if you cast closing statement and opening statement in the same turn you win the game <laughs> god then opening statement would have to be like a seven mana card no it's a one mana card <laughs> <laughs> sure but talking about the ors of removal spell that is probably better yeah um fracture absolutely fantastic art by the way it's so good um white black for an instant destroy target artifact enchantment or planeswalker it's good it's very good yeah this is it's disenchant that has applications in way more matchups like you're gonna find people with way like obviously it's ors of color so it's somewhat restrictive but there are just gonna be more disenchants running around now which makes it really really good this card straight up says yeah f fires like straight up yeah <laughs> i mean it's just i mean for for yeah for fires it's great because generally events a matchup like this it's like do i bring an artifact remove uh, a gem removal it's like uh do you do it for just the fires like what if they don't draw it what if they've got two do you want to lose the tempo but now you can hit the narset yeah now you can hit whatever planeswalker they're throwing at you so and it just makes it super versatile right a card that would say like one on a black at instant speed destroy target planeswalker has applications wouldn't be great but it it would be okay you know you you wouldn't fault someone for bringing in a specific metas now it's just stable onto disenchant which is already a playable card so we just added a pretty relevant effect to a card that was just already fine yeah this is uh so yeah this is this definitely feels like a greater than the sum of their parts type of card Kind of like Rip Apart, very akin to Rip Apart. Which, by the way, also is a disenchant with other removal staples on it, so... Mardu Control coming at you soon with Rip Apart and Fracture. I mean, they are really good cards, but I don't know if you'd want so many of them in your main deck. It's like, if I go up against Enchantress, they're going to get it with my eight disenchants main deck. Yeah. Epic, they're coming for you. <laughs> and Epic got, like what three enchantments in this set and they're all bad yeah epic epic pointed out like he did it in our mailbag now just just gonna quickly have a look at it just to say how many there were exactly there are only four enchantments in the entire set and they're all really bad so i wouldn't be surprised because i know there's also a lesson that doesn't there might be more disenchants than enchantments in this set i could already think of three from the top of my head so, and there's four enchantments. Did you think of uh, Vanishing Verse? Oh yeah, there's. That's the lesson that gives him a uh, spirit. No, that's that's the that's the rare uh, Orzov instant exile target and monocolored permanent. Yeah, that kind of works too for. But that's not really a disenchant. I would think of something that really says destroy target instant uh, artifact or enchantment. But there are like less uh, introduction to annihilation, which exiles anything, and the one that exiles a permanent and gives him a spirit and. 
that one. Yeah. So <laughs> there's war. There are more ways to get rid of enchantments in this set than there are enchantments in this set. That's really funny. Compensating for Theros. <laughs> now there's another card after Fracture. I want to quickly touch on. It's right after it, and it's Charge Through. And it's just a green for an instant. Target creature you control... Uh, target creature, not you control, very important. Target creature gains trample until end of turn. Draw a card at instant speed. Now, I really like this card. And it's not just for Goldspan Dragon combo, which this would go very well in. Yeah. But the idea of, like, you attack with a bunch of big creatures... Like, we've seen some, like, Golgari Chonkers in this set. And we've got cards like Rotting Regisar or other cards from the Stompy list that don't have evasion. They're just big. And let's say your opponent, you, you're playing attacker with two big guys and your opponent's got one jumper. Well, they're not going to block one. And you don't know that before combat with some of these trample effects that work at sorcery speed. Um, and your opponent goes to block one and now you just give evasion to the other. It's just really nice to give evasion after blockers are declared. It's something very unique to trample because all the other evasion or these effects are before combat. So your opponent sees them coming. They see, they technically see haste coming, but not really. Uh, they know about vigilance. They know about menace and they know about flying and they can arrange their blockers accordingly because it has to be done before blockers. This is done after blockers are declared which makes this card something you can really optimize very well, right? If you're attacking your opponent with a couple of creatures and your planeswalker, a planeswalker they control with a couple of creatures, if they don't block enough to save their planeswalker, they're like, yeah, I'm going to let my planeswalker go. You can charge through and get more damage in. If they block all the creatures going at the planeswalker, you can charge through, all their chumpers die, and they still lose their walker. Like, I feel like this card is super flexible and might actually end up being played in stompy style decks i do remember so I, though you know what this card makes me think of before i think of like a stompy deck where to give non-evasion creatures trample do you remember in, in standard and even historic to an extent maybe not historic because you haven't played it too much there was a naya feather build yeah with uh seasons uh growth yeah seasons growth would work too very good in that deck yeah so like you might be able to spawn a naya feather or even just like a nio a nio a naya boros aggro type of shell yeah. you know um that we have now where you just have this kind of card and then uh season's growth i mean like even like a gruel pummeler style not actual pummeler because you're going to give this trample with something that actually pumps its power yes but just like a card that like big chunky dudes that care about evasion like they care about pump spells or something you go all in of them but like I just think this card's very flexible. I think it's very cute. Um, this might show up occasionally. Yeah. What do you think about Double Major? Hmm. It's very good for a two-mana clone, but the fact that you have to do it with the creature on the stack means this card is worthless as a top deck. It's exceptionally powerful. This is really a high-risk, high-reward card, especially because you can even copy Legendaries. So it's, before we go into it for too long, it's green and blue for an instant. Copy target creature spell you control, except it isn't legendary if the spell is legendary. And it says a copy of a creature spell becomes a token. So you play Questing Beast with it on the stack. You copy this for two mana. You get two Questing Beasts and they don't actually legend rule each other, which is really sweet. 
But if you top deck this with no other creatures in hand, it's worthless. And if the creature you draw after is a Llanowar Elf, it's still worthless. So it feels like a, a card that really allows for the nut. But if you don't draw the nut, it's actually just a waste of cardboard. Fantastic for EDH, by the way. You've already got a creature available there. Yeah. Which is legendary, which lots of decks probably want two copies of their commander. So it's cool there. It's too bad it says a uh, creature spell you control. Because this would be really cool if it was like a pseudo counter. It would be fantastic if you could copy your opponent's creatures. It would be downright bonkers if it could copy your opponent's creatures. It'd be so good. Because you could choose to abuse it, but yeah, as you said, it's basically removal then. Mm -hmm. They play a questing beast, like, you know what, for two mana, I'll have one too. And if you attack, I'll just block. So good. This would definitely go in that uh, that Bant control deck I was talking about. <laughs> yes. <laughs> But alas. And then if you copy your opponent's creature, you can make them fight with the other one. Oh, yeah. Um, Wombo combos. Uh, we did get a mythic lesson. It's not good. M <laughs> Mascot ex uh, Excavation. Seven mana sorcery lesson. For seven mana, Alex, what do you think you get? It's something good, right? Eh? No. It's not even a meteor golem. It's one of, it's one of each token, except it's only three out of five. It's just a 2-1 Inkling with flying, a 3-2 Spirit, and a 4-4 Elemental. You don't get a Pest, you don't get a Fractal. What type of mascot exhibition is this? Yeah, you should have gotten all five. Yeah, you should have gotten all five. And would this really be broken if you got all five? Spoiler, no. Especially if you make the Fractal a 1-1. If you make the Fractal a 1-1, or if you want a unique stat line so it's not the same as the Pest, you make the Fractal a 2-2, it's still bad. You could have made the Fractal a 5-5, the biggest thing, and it'd still be bad. Yeah, it would probably still be bad. I mean, then it's like a decent army in a can if you make the Fractal 5-5. Five, five. But yeah, you get a 1-1, one, one, a 2-1, two, a 3-2, a 4-4, four, four, and a 5-5. Five, five. Yeah, that sounds a lot for 7 mana. But especially because it's so many bodies and one of them is evasive. But like, we're talking about the hypothetical where you, you get 6-6 six, six more in stats than you do now. This is worthless. This is 9-7... Worth of stats for seven mana, but it's split out, which is potentially an upside or a downside. I don't like it. Yeah. This is the pre release promo I'd get if I'd play in it. Oh. Uh... Or the one after it, Exponential Growth, that was cool. But that one's actually cool. Like, I wouldn't be as bummed. I hate this card so fing much. Just quickly for the people who know XX Green Green until end of turn, double target power, target creature's power X times. So 1X, it doubles. 2X, it quadruples. 3x, it's times 16? No, times 4. It goes 4 and then 16. So it's 1, 2, 4, 16, 32, 64. It gets big real fast. Yeah, and it's just like, I don't know why, but this card frustrates me because it's just not good. I know why it frustrates you. Why? Do you know the time run? Do we know? I don't think there is a period of time in the past year and a half that the word exponential growth has been said so often on national television. Oh, yeah, that's true. Yeah. <laughs> so you're probably hearing exponential growth and you're like, oh, are they literally mentioning this <laughs> pandemic in my card game? <laughs> Leave. <laughs> then next up, an actual good card. Uh, we talked about this already a little bit. Vanishing Verse. Uh, white and a black. Instant. Exile target monocolor permanent. What is Orzov getting all this lit removal <laughs> this is really good. Esper's going to be a thing in Pioneer, I feel like. Yeah, Vanishing Verse is just a fantastic card. It's very reminiscent of Ultimate Price, 
which is a removal spell that was just one in a black destroy target monocolored creature, which was actually played alongside Cast Down before they decided to print the two best Doomblades ever. Yeah. In Heartless Act and Eliminate. So now they're not. But that's that's more because Heartless Act and Eliminate are so good and not because Ultimate Price is not a fine card. And you expand it from creature to non-land permanent, which is a huge range to give to a removal spell. Well, can, can, can't a land sometimes be colored? No, they never become colored, I think. Hmm... Oh yeah, it's target monocolored permanent. So technically, if you can give a land a color, which there are ways to do it. Uh, I don't know if it's often when they become creatures, I don't know if they actually get colors. Might be. I don't know if Nissa's lands are actually green. They might be. But sometimes there's also ways, but this is generally in older formats, where you can change the color of a permanent or give a color to a permanent, and then you could stone rain your opponent with this. Nice. I think there's like some very old cards. It's like one blue, change the color of a permanent, draw a card or something. Uh, there's one that's, I think, one red, and it says target creature becomes... I think target creature or target permanent becomes red until end of turn, draw a card. So, like, there are ways to make this stone rain, but you're not playing... As, no one's playing Mardu um, Ponza. No. No, they're not. Or... I guess it wouldn't be Mardu Ponza. It would be like Abzan Ponza, Esper Ponza. They might in a Historic, though, because, you know, Stone Rain's getting printed in Historic. Oh, yeah, we can actually play Ponza in Historic. Yeah. Matter of time before we get Blood Moon in Historic. That, I mean, that's what I wanted, right? And then I'm just gonna, and then I'm just gonna play mono red. Screw you! <laughs> and then I would actually play historic. I was gonna, I was gonna blow. I was gonna mono red prison people. I'm gonna become my own worst enemy. I see. This is what I wanted for historic. I wanted it to be a really powerful, like legacy type of uh, format for historic. And they finally did it with. I mean, all these with with Bergy and that thing that bounces itself, the Igneous something. Yeah. Which generates. Infinite mana. Infinite storm. Yeah. No, not infinite mana, because it's four to play and four to return. Oh, yeah, 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 you're right. But you generate infinite um, storm. So that's already really sweet. And then you get Grape Shot. So now you can actually play Mono Red Storm in, uh, in Historic, if you would so please. Why can't we get Grape Shot? So moving on to the next card I want to talk about. Uh, I want to skip straight to Mavinda. I don't know if you've got other cards you want to talk about in between. Mila, Crafty Companion, Luca are bad. Yep. Cool. Sorry. Mavinda it is. <laughs> so Mavinda is two and a white for a 2-3 flying legendary creature bird advisor. Kind of wholesome art, I think. I wish this was my, advi or my advisor at school. This is great. It'd be cool. But so it's flying and for zero, you may cast target instant or sorcery card from your graveyard this turn. If that spell doesn't target a creature you control, it costs eight more to cast this way. If that spell would be put into your graveyard, exile it instead. Activate is only once each turn. This basically says uh, feather. Yeah, play me and feather, or like a or like a pump a, a style deck that would like or charge through or something. Maybe we're at the point where we don't actually have to be Boros. We could be like Celestia or something and use like more green based like pump and trample style of spells, but. That's actually an interesting way that Mavinda might be able to move you away from Boros into other colors because there's already enough, a lot of good white pump spells. 
Then you could see about like blue pump spells to give like unblockable or green ones to make your creature bigger so the game ends faster. Like that would be interesting ways to go about it. I'm unsure how this card compares to Feather because I feel like Feather has a higher ceiling and this card has a higher floor. I think you just play both of them. I don't think it's uh, between one or the other, I think. Yeah, but a lot of Feather decks already don't play Feather. Yeah, they've just opted for Luris and then lower aggro. Yeah, and I'm not sure if this card is better than Feather. I think it's very comparable to Feather. And that means it competes for a spot that sometimes doesn't even show up in one archetype. Because the idea that, like, yeah, I can cast a Fatal Push on a creature, yeah, for nine mana. That's just... It's cute that you can, but you never will. Yeah. Something just, like, shifted down my wall. I think, like, a shirt I had hung up dropped, but I suddenly just... I'm, I'm, I'm home alone, and I suddenly just heard, like... <laughs> next to me. I'm like, it scared the hell out of me. <laughs> like, You're gonna die. Yeah, some spirit has entered my room. Damn, I wish there was a spirit I could talk about that was good. Oh, there's Pillar Drop Warden. That's a good segue. That's a spirit dwarf. Four mana, one five with reach. You can pay two and tap it, sacrifice it, return target instant or sorcery card from your graveyard to your hand. Activate this only as a sorcery. That's what's haunting your house right now. This guy. I don't even know what card you're talking about. It's it, it's not good. You you don't even need to find it. Yeah, let's. Uh... <laughs> it's it's really not good. All right. So next card is an interesting one. It's the Biblioplex. The Biblioplex. That's a interesting way to say library. It's the reason we're getting the uh, mystical archive. That's the flavor. Ah, yes. It's all from here. Um. So it's a land. Again, not legendary. The Biblioplex. Not legendary. There's seven of them. It's okay. <laughs> it's a land, tap, add a colorless, two, tap, look at the top card of your library. If it's an instant or sorcery card, you may reveal it and put it into your hand. If you don't put the card into your... If you don't put the card into your hand, you may put it into your graveyard. Wow, that's amazing. Oh, wait. Activate only if you have exactly zero or seven cards in your hand. It's Library of Alexandria, but fixed, basically. That's what they tried to go for. Yeah, it's, it's, not, it's not good. I think the card's decent. I just don't think the situation comes up very often. But this, to me, looks like the type of card that like ends up as like a one-off in a control deck. In a blue-white Demir something. I mean, it's hard competition with the castle, right? Castle Lockthwain or any of the other castles, really, that are just way easier to activate. I could see this show up in, like... I mean, prowess decks are generally very color-intensive, which makes this card a bit hard to make work. I feel like if this card, this land tapped for mana, colored mana, it would be kind of absurd, though. Let's say this tapped for blue. You just straight up play this in Izzet Blitz-style decks, and it would be really good. Yeah. Yeah, I, I agree. Could even... I think this would have been, like, more sensible... I suppose it has to be colorless because the college is like for all colors, right? So it wouldn't make sense for it to tap for colored mana unless it would tap for every color. I don't know. This could have had like a filter effect on it or it could have tapped for some colors. Like you could have like chosen a color and tap, but I suppose it's too wordy and it would enter tapped or something. It's just not there, I think, but it's a very powerful effect. And there are other cards I know we wanted to talk about. I know one that you probably would touch on in your top five, at least as an honorable mention, I'm sure, 
will be the Demigoth, Demigoth Titan as well as uh, Demigoth Woe Eater. I kind of go together. I mean, if if we if we do if we're doing honorable mentions, I probably will. But I'll I'll mention uh, Demon Demon Goth or oh, Demogoth Titan. It's Golgari, 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 four mana in total. Creature Demon. Whenever Demogoth Titan attacks or blocks, sacrifice a creature. It's an 11-10. This is officially the chonkiest boy. Like, this card is just so big. Like, and I suppose I'll mention the other one real quick with Demogoth Woe Eater. Um, one of those really weird mana cost ones. It's a colorless, a black, a hybrid Golgari, and a green. For a 7-6 demon, at the beginning of your upkeep, sacrifice a creature. When you sacrifice Demogoth Woe Eater, each opponent discards a card, you draw a card, and you gain two life. So, they're all based around, like, both of them are like, you need other fodder to sack, but when you do, you get this giant creature. But without evasion, so, it goes very well with Charge Drew, I suppose. Yes. You know, which one of your 1110s are they chumping? Oh, one of them? Okay, then I'll give that one trample and you're dead now. Makes me happy. Fun and junt with Teamer Battle Rage or something, actually. I built Golgari Chunkers. You can find it on my Twitter. I just made like a a first impression of a list because I think it's a fun archetype to consider. Um, you could play a Shadow Spear that gives trample. Uh, you could play the Rune, the green Rune from Kaldheim that also gives trample and it cantrips, which makes it decent. And you can also play it when you don't have creatures. Kind of similar to Charge Through, which I like, is when it's a type of card where if you flood on it, because Charge Through doesn't have to target your creatures, you can actually cycle it as long as your opponent has creatures. But this this is uh the chunky cards are really cool. I like them a lot. I love them. I just I just really like them as build arounds where it's like you have to sacrifice, which is a downside, but you can make it an upside with some cards. You can even turn this downside into an upside, and the payoff is just this chonker of a card. And the Woe Eater one is even... I mean, sure, four mana. Your opponent discards one, you draw one and gain two life. is not good. But it's an acceptable floor because while you play it, it's a blocker until you untap. So even then, it's like, okay. And if you've got any fodder hanging around, and if you manage to like squeeze a Mutavolt in your deck, for example, in this archetype, you just like tap for a color make the mutavolt animate itself and then that would be like sacrifice folder you could even like safely take to your upkeep or something other cards we had on our plate that you can hear more about when we actually do our top five uh, this coming weekend with adrian that should be released next week we have some cards that are going to be really sweet we have the last mythic elder dragon we have a card that might be featured in an old friend called four color omnath we have cards that are really cool in Golgari as well. A Sweeper that gives you a Ritual. Mortality Spear that just kills things and maybe, you know, synergizes one of our demon boys or girls. Sweep the board, play a Chonker, pass. A card that goes very well with Neoform or uh, Enigmatic Incarnation. Seems like Golgari's getting all the really cool stuff. Yeah, Golgari, I mean, it's the least interesting one because it's literally like golgari people at school which <laughs> yeah. is like one of the few's that really didn't change flavor at yeah. all uh except they've got some demon chonkers but i don't even think they're part of um the golgari school no they're just like hi i think they're not part of witherbloom this is like hello we are invader demons and we happen to be golgari 
All right, next up is Callus Blood Mage. Callus uh, Blood Mage is two and a black for a vampire or warlock. One of the uh, ones on Marrow's list. A 2-1. When Callus Blood Mage enters the battlefield, choose one. Create a 1-1 one, one black and green pest creature token with when this creature dies, you gain one life. You draw a card and you lose a life. Or exile target player's graveyard. Now, I wasn't very hot on this card. Until Epic randomly joined one of our calls and was like, this is really good for Enigmatic Incarnation. Yeah, um, the fact that it's it, it's actually kind of funny because when I first saw this, I'm like, damn, why can't it be a two-mana card? Um, like a two-mana charm on, on a stick, you know? Um, Yo, Brad, what the f***? <laughs> <laughs> Dusk Legion Zealot, get out of here! <laughs> Just super powered Dust Legion Zealot. <laughs> I'm greedy as a vampire player. I'm sorry. Um, so yeah, where I was looking at three mana as like a downside to this card, and you could have just made it a one one. Just made it literally just busted Dust Legion Dusk Legion Zealot. Yeah, sure. Just making the best card in the format. No worries. <laughs> uh, but Epic has a point when he says it goes well in uh, Enig- Enigmatic Incarnation because it's three mana. It's so much easier because, look, you have, what, your uh, your World Tree Searcher thingy, what, the Path of World Tree, that's two mana. Path of the World Tree, Omen of the Sea. Omen of the Sea, um, the Trial of Ambition, if he brings in that, or he actually, I think he runs some main decks for removal. Um, all these two mana enchantments that you sack to Incarnation, and you go three mana. Three mana is the easiest, most accessible uh, creature uh, slot in the deck. So this being able to bring it in as a as a cyborg thing, or even just have a one of main deck, uh, just be able to just hose out a graveyard is is pretty cool. Though, yeah, no, never mind. I was gonna say something about uh, what's that spirit? That's also three mana and does the same thing, but that it's losing the draw card and stuff too. But how often are you gonna tutor this up to fucking draw a card? Regularly, I think. Really? I mean, you, you like I mean. How often are you going to choose this, tutor it up to get draw a card, you lose one life, when you can go into things like... Um, I guess you could go into Renegade Rallyer and just get whatever enchantment you just had. Yeah. So Renegade Rallyer is going to be your go-to one. I, f- I feel like this is like an okay grab. Um, I mean, something that draws you a card is like almost always an okay grab and things like this. Yeah. Um, hey, those lines of play where the create a one-one black pest comes up and actually wins you games, or keeps you alive, or something dumb, buys you a fair amount of time, gives you two bodies, one of them gains you a life, I guess. I mean, I feel like the main thing it's in here it's obviously tutorable graveyard hate, which is something the deck didn't really have before and does now. Yes, like that's definitely the biggest the biggest thing about this. But I think that's the only deck I see it going in. I don't. It just feels really hard to figure out for vampires. Because at three mana, it competes with Soren. Yeah, the three mana slot like is really packed in vampires. Well, mostly packed by Soren, but like um, creature types. Aside from that, warlock is not a relevant creature type. Um, you can Coco it, but what Coco deck does this go in? Yeah, Coco vampires, I guess. <laughs> yeah, like oh, and then we could actually run the other one drop vampire and actually cast the green thing on the other side now, <laughs> which I don't even remember what it does. <laughs> I feel like a lot of um, a lot of decks that would like want this for the Exile Targets player graveyard are kind of decks that are probably like fine running something like 
Soul Guide Lantern mm-hmm. and would rather have that out on the cheap um, than waiting for three mana to play this. Like at that point, you might just be playing Ashiok or something, which has applications in other matchups. Yeah, in the sideboard for Vampires now, I run two cages and one uh, Soul Guide Lantern. And a lot of people just run three cages or even three Soul Guide, that kind of thing. So this is not a replacement for that. I think you want it to come down. Because this is not actually very good graveyard hate. It's just, in Incarnation, it's tutorable, and it's all you've got. Yeah. But, like, it's three mana. It's like Tormod's Crypt, except you can't hold it up. Right? So there's you can't wait for an opportune time. This is, in all the decks, going to be spending three mana and doing this at sorcery speed, which is about the worst way that you can get your graveyard hate. Yeah, even this in Incarnation is like, it's still not great the more that I think about it. Yeah, but I mean, it's an it's an 80 card deck and you just put one in, right? Like it's... No, 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 yeah. I, I think it's fine for the deck, but like looking at it, I'm like the, the circumstances which you get it, which it's, you know, an, an end step, it goes on the stack because it's an ETB thing. Um, so they can respond you, and there's, you can't really time it. Like, you can't do the thing where you have Tormod's Crypt up, like you said, and, like, you know, force them to do something first and then crack it in response. You basically put them in position to respond and go, like, okay, you do this, and they're like, okay, yeah, uh, Gear Hulk. Well, it's more like you're just giving your opponent, like, a mild reset. Like, they've been milling themselves for a bit, and it's like, yeah, start over. And it's like, in a lot of decks, that's just not what you're looking for uh, in a sideboard card, and it's arguably not powerful enough for a main deck card. Uh, in non-toolbox decks. Yeah, you're still getting this on, like, turn four or five, though. Yeah. A lot of times. That's, that's also where I'm like, Ugh. Like, if I'm playing against you, Alex, and I'm on Incarnation, I do this, and I'm like, exile your graveyard. like, cool. Uh, delve, dig, in response. And I'm like, cool. <laughs> very, very cool, Alex. I'm glad. I'm glad we're playing this fucking game. I'm glad I got to exile your dig. <laughs> <laughs> Bye-bye. Or even better yet, you just, like, you gear hulk. And then you get that one Magnus Opus in your fucking graveyard, and you're like, ha-ha. Ha-ha. Exactly. <laughs> cool. So, yeah, the card's fine. It's it's a charm on a stick, but it's... Uh... Now, speaking of a way cooler card, uh, actually also makes pests, uh, funnily enough. It's Beladros Witherbloom. It's seven mana for a 4-4 legendary creature Elder Dragon, I do notice as I read out cards, I keep doing it in different orders, which is probably going to piss off one person. <laughs> like, sometimes I do, like, the text box, and I forget the toughness. Sometimes I start with that. So, 7 mana, 4-4, four, four, legendary creature, Elder Dragon. It obviously flies, because it's a dragon. At the beginning of each upkeep, create a 1-1 one, one black and green pest creature token with when this creature dies, you gain one life. But here's the cool, here's the kicker. Pay 10 life, untap all lands you control, activate only once each turn. Interesting to note, if you've got a lot of life to spare, which, I mean, this sort of black-green life gain archetype probably would, um, you could do this, like, you could play this, untap all your lands immediately, and then in your opponent's turn, float your mana, pay 10 again, untap it, use all that mana for something. Wow, it's our new Wilderness Reclamation in the Pioneer. But now it's on a 7-mana 4-4. Wow. I mean, I like this. I, I like this card because it's potentially free. Right, and and that's what's. I feel like this is just the type of card that you can somehow manage to break, and just the even though it's paying ten life, even though it's on a seven drop, and as we've seen in reclamation, which has obviously made it way easier, but untapping all your lands 
is super good. Yeah. And this works around the timing restriction of Wilderness, which allowed you to do instant speed stuff. This allows you to do like crazy Torment of Hillfires and that sort of thing. I like the card. Seven mana is a lot. But again, on tapping all your lands, even at the cost of 10 life, is a pretty, pretty cool thing to do. It's probably my favorite of the dragons. Oh, yeah, for sure. This feels the most like an Elder Dragon. You had that complaint early on that they don't feel like Elder Dragons. This one... Well, I mean, this is still a 7-mana 4-4, but, like, the effect is epic, which is... I I, I still think so far the um, the Boros one feels the most like an Elder Dragon because it's big, fly, kind of. Uh, it's a 5-5. Five, five, I think it's the biggest. Mm-hmm. Uh, flying haste, and it does, like, this, like, big, like, when it hits, flip something cast this card for free of the top of your deck wild type of effect that feels the most like an elder dragon but this is definitely more of an elder dragon too it's kind of cool and it is probably the most playable one question mark maybe the is it one uh, i feel like all the other ones are kind of crappy yeah i i i to be honest i don't think any of them are playable um i, I don't think any of them will see play they they're all amazing commanders Fair enough. And these will be f- so much fun to play with in Commander. But as far constructed, maybe standard. Standard might just use some of them because they're flying. Doesn't one of them does one of them have haste? Was that the Boros one? I mean that that one could see standard play. Yeah, the Boros one. I mean it is a seven drop <laughs> also. Seven mana for a five five flying haste is hmm, we've got gold span dragon. So <laughs> a la a la Winota kind of thing. Yeah, it's it's a strange build around, but maybe people can find it somehow. I mean, Winoda turned out to be busted if you build it right. Maybe this card has something stupid that we're not thinking about. Maybe there's some card that we're not thinking about that, like, you attack, you flip that specific card, and you, like, win the game. Like, something stupid. We already have Angras Marauders. What uh, What is the other hit that you want? I mean, again... Well, no, this is this is talk about a hit. You, you need to cast an instant or sorcery, I think. Yeah. Yeah, that's true. Oh, but it's equal it's equal or less to his power though, which is the thing. Yeah, but you're you're looking at like a way to like maybe like bump its power as it comes in through some creature or something. Or you're looking for like a chance of glory type of card where this comes in, hits your opponent, then nets you another turn, which allows you to hit your opponent again. Maybe find like some lava X off the top and you do fifteen or whatever, right? But we're actually talking about a Golgari one. Um, donating you a pest every upkeep is kind of nice. They could jump, save you life, gain you a little bit on the side, allows you to activate it again. Um, works in the Golgari life gain theme they've been pushing. Uh, the Witherbloom life gain theme. Thank you very much. Golgari. These are these are just Golgari in school, right? The other ones work. This is just Golgari in school. That's it. Golgari goth kid. But speaking of Golgari life gain, actually it heads it to the next card, which is actually pretty good. And it's Mortality Spear. Now, Brad, what does Mortality Spear do? Mortality Spear is two in the Golgari, so four mana in total for an instant. The spell costs two less to cast if you gained life this turn. Destroy target non-land permanent. So this is effectively pretty close to being an Assassin's Trophy with no upside for your opponent if you gain life. So everyone break out your ill-gotten inheritance. 
you'll be able to turn this on every single turn. It'd be great. I mean, it's definitely, there's some cool Golgari cards with the tag that just say, if you gained life, do X, and it doesn't really matter how much life it is. Um, the instant speed part is nice here because it works well with your pests. Yeah, block and then... Yeah, if you block with your pests, that triggers these cards, which makes them a lot better. Um, triggering cards like this at sorcery speed is kind of difficult because if you're working with these pests, you're going to have to have them die on your turn. And generally... If you're swinging with a pest, your opponent's probably like, okay, take one. <laughs> I don't care. So yeah, this card's just kind of powerful. It's it's hard to potentially make work with life gain, but even like four mana, destroy target non-land permanent is not bad. No, not at all. That's a, that's a good start. And two mana, destroy target non-land permanent is kind of bonkers. We're talking like instant speed Maelstrom Pulse without the upside that's never used. And instead of that, it's a... Uh, it's too many. Yeah, it's like it's just it's just a very powerful card. Um, really depends on what type of life decks that go with it. I could honestly imagine like something like a Sultai deck that attempts to win with Ill-Gotten Inheritance and has more of these whenever you gain life type effects. Oh... Alex, so you remember what we said earlier in regards to the challenges and stuff? What variation of a deck, if we're talking about new decks, we talk about Phoenix, what was the other deck I was talking about that's kind of popped up a bit? I forgot. The Jund uh, traditional uh, Cat Oven. Oh, oh, Cat Oven is a very nice way yeah. to gain life every turn. Yes. Oh. Yeah. It's probably a lot better than Ill God Inheritance, but like, <laughs> but that, that is <laughs> yeah. a nice way to gain life every turn yeah you go cat oven just like just do your little thing that you're gonna do no matter what anyway well and if you don't and if you don't have the cat you can use the food true but then it effectively is a so four mana removal anyway yeah but maybe but maybe you've got more payoffs in your deck i mean like the gain life in your turn condition could be triggered through your food too yes if you manage to find pests in your deck through some cards you can actually just sec the pests to the oven They'll gain you alive. Ugh. Put the pests in the oven to cats. I mean, I know putting a cat in an oven for food is not necessarily a good idea either. But putting a pest, putting like some insects in an oven to go and eat them, sounds like an even worse idea, which... Yum. I thought cooking the cat was a bad idea already. <laughs> yeah, this is... Uh, this seems like a cool little, you know, piece of removal in that deck. And like that kind of deck likes to bring in something like scavenging ooze occasionally and things like that too. So that's another way to gain life. Um, As if scavenging ooze needed to be a better card. <laughs> it just needed a nice pair of uh, removal to go with it. Um, but then at that point, you could also just be playing Assassin's Trophy in general. But if you really care about not giving them a land. Yeah, the Assassin's Trophy is obviously like ridiculous competition where I feel like if you're something akin to, like, an aggro deck, even if you have ways to gain life, you don't want the hassle, and you just play Assassin's Trophy. Yeah. So you want a deck that plays for the long game. Now, that Junt deck is obviously super grindy, which definitely plays for the long game. Um, so you might be interested in a card like this, especially when you're main decking it. Assassin's Trophy, I feel like, generally shows up as, like, like a two-off in sideboards or something, and it's like, I just want a card that deals with anything no matter what. Yep. And I'm willing to take that downside. This feels like... This, like, takes up the slot of what, like, a hero's downfall would be. 
in your deck. Yeah, it's hard to evaluate because you, I mean, we can find homes for this deck and, or not, I'm sorry, this card. But yeah, that, that competition with Assassin's Trophy in general, even just like a Abrupt Decay 2. We've said this a lot in Strixhaven, but it's, I'm very happy we get to say it a lot rather than discard as crazy. But like, it might not necessarily, though this is in a bit of a package, might not necessarily be a build around but more you're building a deck and you realize like, wait, this Strixhaven card's actually really good in my deck. Yeah. And that's how these cards end up being played. Not that they are such unbelievable build-arounds that they will end up creating their own archetypes, which I think is from the sake of like looking for an, from the standpoint of an eternal format is a way healthier way to go about adding cards to your format. Like occasionally you want to see a build-around, but not the whole time every set <laughs> but you spoke about slotting cards into a deck and you realize okay it works out great i think i have one for a deck that we've been missing for a while for the last few months thanks to uro and three fairy being banned it's jadzi oracle of archivios and journey to the oracle on the flip side now alex can you please tell me what this book of a card does all right i'm gonna read the card out to you and then i'm gonna get mad about it immediately just so you know <laughs> the front side, uh, Jatsi, Oracle of Arcavios, I think. Six blue blue, legendary creature, human wizard. It's a 5-5. Five five. Has the ability to discard a card, return Jatsi, Oracle of Arcavios to its owner's hand. Okay. Then it says, Magecraft. So, Magecraft trigger. Uh, reveal the top card of your library. If it's a non-land card, you may cast it by paying one generic rather than paying its mana cost. If it's a land card, put it onto the battlefield. This is some. Uh, that actually comes into play untapped, by the way. That land. Yeah. So you can kind of storm off with this once it's out. And But how do you get to eight mana? Well, that's really easy. You play the backside, Journey to the Oracle. Two green green. Sorcery. You may put any number of land cards from your hand onto the battlefield. Again, untapped. Then, if you control eight or more lands, you may discard a card. If you do, return Journey to the Oracle to its owner's hand. So let's talk Magical Christmas Land here. You have, like, you've got a couple of lands out, and you play this. I mean, you need, like, <laughs> you need to have, like, a Reliquary Tower for ridiculous hand size, but, like, theoretically, you can, like, play this, dump eight lands into play, bounce this, discard a card, immediately play Yahtzee. Right, that's pretty good. But can I... Actually, not can I. I'm just going to be mad here for a second. This is probably the biggest flavor fail in like card design I have seen in my life. Why is Journey to the Oracle the backside of the card? Is it the journey back? <laughs> like, is it like the Oracle was easy to find, but man, getting home, that's the challenge. No, she, she kicked you out. <laughs> <laughs> you got there. She's like, get the f away from me. <laughs> now you need to go back again. No, but like, I'm just mad that Journey to the Oracle is the front. It's a backside and I don't understand why. It's it's a play design reason because you have cards that can just grab creatures a lot more easier than... It, it seems like during play design or play testing, they're like, yeah, uh, we want something to be able to break this for some f***ing reason to be able to easily play it. Yeah, I guess you want to be able to reanimate it. And you can do that if the front side is the sorcery. Yeah. But it just... <sighs> it just bugs me. 
why is the journey the back? But I, I guess that gameplay reason makes sense. Oh, it. Oh, I know why. I know why. Why? Because it fucking breaks itself. Look at it. Look at look at Jadzi's ability. Pay one for Journey of the Oracle. I don't see the problem. I think that'd be an issue. If you get her out and then you pay one to just like get dump more lands into play if you're flooding. I mean, dude, that's a three out of whatever is left in your deck. Considering you're on a play set of this, none of them in your hand and none of them are in your graveyard. You cast a spell. Oh no, I have this three out of 40 to do something reasonably powerful. You know what else could be on top of your deck when you do that? An omniscience. And you just win. Oh yeah. Like that sounds scarier to me than journey to... Because actually that's kind of hilarious. If you have another journey to the Oracle and you've got like an omniscience out, you can kind of just like keep playing journey to the Oracle and bouncing it back by discarding like access lands you have, triggering Yahtzee over and over. Well, you can also, you can also just cast Yahtzee in general off itself. Like the, I'm very confused about the, uh, well, I'm trying, I'm trying to imagine why they wanted. I mean, Yahtzee is just going to spawn a bad storm deck. Oh, I don't, I don't think that Alex, like, Realistically, you know what deck this goes in? Well, this goes in Omnath, dude. Four color Omnath. Uh, I guess you get to cast. I mean, Journey to the Oracle. You honestly think about it this way: you're playing Journey to the Oracle in Omnath with the okay f- extra gravy of Jadzi being able to come down occasionally. Cards, cards that make you play extra lands are not as good as people think they are. But you don't play extra lands. You already play like twenty eight or thirty lands in that. F- deck dude no but i mean make you play more lands in a turn oh like wayward swordtooth azusa like these cards aren't as good as people give them credit for uh azusa was a trash card until people figured out how amulet titan works and it worked well with the bounce lands which a aren't pioneer legal b don't even work well with journey to the oracle because they actually reduce the number of lands you have in play um so like this card, because it doesn't even draw you a card, that's why, like, Grove Spiral and Explore and Eureka Moment uh, are actually good cards, or actual straight-up ramp spells are, because they effectively draw you cards by pulling the land out of your deck rather than in your hand. True. I think you're very regular, gonna play this card, drop, like, two extra lands, and then miss your next two land drops. But this is the thing. And it's like, this card didn't do anything. I agree with you 100%, except for the fact that Omnath is a card and Landfall is a thing with Lotus Cobra and things like that in that particular deck. And imagine playing Journey of the Oracle, triggering Omnath, getting his uh, his mana back, and then also just being able to cast Jadzi for free. But Azusa is a card that sees absolutely zero play in these decks. I don't even think people tried it, which then I guess might be a mistake. But like Because Lotus Cobra is better in that deck yeah but as if you have an azusa out you play an omnath you could just immediately trigger like the full book of text on your omnath and it's just not good enough so i don't see why journey of the oracle would be i think it could be cute i mean it's nice that you can because there's a creature on the front you can hit this with uh, the ultimatum yeah uh which is kind of nice and you can cast the ultimatum off of the half of it or cast your ugin for one it's fine you need to trigger magecraft too which the the Omnath deck doesn't have a ton of cards to trigger Magecraft with. It has Growth Spiral. Um... Yeah, but I'm thinking of a deck that just storms off, right? So you just have a deck like full of opts and quickens and whatever cantrip you can find. 
And the moment you play Jatsy, you just storm the hell off. And that's how I see this deck working. I don't see how it really works otherwise. You're playing an 8-mana 5-5, dude. Just wait till I untap with this. And it's like, you won't. You know you won't. <laughs> that's why you cheat it. Maybe a new Transmogrify deck. That cares more about this than Agent? Yeah. You play like instants and sorceries that make you tokens, and then you have Transmogrify, and that way you get into Yahtzee, and then you storm off. Something like that, yeah. That's, that is honestly something like worth building, just because it sounds fun. Oh, and then you get to play Rowan and Will. <laughs> there you go. We, we figured it out. We broke it. Hooray. Now go build it. I'm not building it. <laughs> Actually, uh, if you have Rowan or Will out, and you find another instant or sorcery off the top, I believe it costs zero. Because its cost will be one, but it will then be reduced by one. So if you have Rowan out and you find an instant or sorcery off the top of your deck with Yahtzee, I think it's free. It depends on how the ordering is. Like, does it, does it reduce the spell off the top on the actual spell itself first with Rowan? Well, it says if it's a non-land card, you may cast it by paying one rather than paying its mana cost. And then it says... Yeah, I'm trying to think of, like, which comes after. Like, is it... Does this text here trigger after, like, in terms of the rulings, after Rowan or the other way around? Because if it's after Rowan... I believe it's this first, then... My gut tells me it's Rowan reading it off the top, being like, okay, this costs one less, and then this is like replacing that as uh, whatever Rowan was reducing to one, and it cancels it out, and it stays at one. No, because you haven't, because Rowan doesn't see it being seven, you go and cast it, and then Rowan tells you hates one less. Hmm. Judge? I think that's how it works, but I am no judge, uh, but I think that's how it I'm, works. I'm not either. I, I just... This game's so fucking confusing, dude. I remember weird things with like Thalia and cost reducers and like that mumbo jumbo. Um, but, Brad, if we would go to the Judge Academy, we would clearly be rejected. Oh, f off. <laughs> that is the next card we'll be talking about uh, to scurry along a little bit because it is getting exceptionally late over here. Um, so, reject is one in a blue for an instant counter target creature or planeswalker spell unless it's controller page three if that spell is countered this way exile it instead of putting it into its owner's graveyard very reminiscent of mana leak but the upside of it hits anything you know including enchantments instant sorceries all that malarkey it exiles whatever creature or planeswalker it hits well, it only it only counters creatures of planeswalkers. Yeah, I mean, it only counters creature playing walkers, and they then get exiled. So it's narrower, but then a little bit more powerful. It's just a better essence. I mean, is it a better essence scatter? I would say I would say generally is because of the the main deck that cares about a card like reject is blue white. I can imagine this being like a one of or a two of in like a Demir deck at one point. But I think the main deck that cares about this is Blue-White, which has was already running cards like Horribly Ori, uh, Essence Scatter. It might be running more Dovin's Veto's main deck than like an Esper-style deck would. Um, and I feel like this is sort of a nice catch-all if you go into a more open field. Or just a more diverse field, which, granted, we're in. Right? I feel like Essence Scatter or Negate... My it like sometimes bite you in the butt in other matchups. I mean, horribly, Ori was obviously good against Uro, 
which one of the reasons it was ran. Um, but I feel like if you're hitting planeswalkers and creatures, you're you're countering spells in basically every matchup. Yeah, it's just uh, I mean I I will take your word for it because like I find these types of counter spells incredibly difficult to uh, to figure out on their playability. Oh, definitely, and it, and it really depends on I mean, this is no mana leak, right? Like, it's it's not as good as mana leak because mana leak's strength is its wide range of what it ca- what it gets, and this is still a fairly narrow counter spell, but it's not. It's not as narrow. It's like essence scatter is a card that has basically seen no play. Uh, horribly, Uri was played for its exile upside and to some extent it's the void upside uh similar to why void shatter was ran but this just came down earlier the exile upside isn't super big right now in a lot of it that's why we see like demir decks cutting a card like cling to dust too mm. uh, occasionally uh being fine running cards like uh sinister sabotage or sensor uh, all those type of cards, because the, the Exiles is not that relevant. They're not even running cards akin to uh, Soul Guide Lantern in the sideboard. So I'm not even sure if this goes well into anything right now. But it is a very, very nice tool to add to the toolbox of counterspells. In the world where we're never getting actual counterspell. Because we won't. And in the world where we're probably never getting Mana Leak. Which makes me a bit sad, but... If we ever got Mana Leak, I know for a fact, not only would it be number one in your top five of whatever the set yep. it released in, every other corresponding set after that, you'd be like, number one is Mana Leak because we just got it. <laughs> oh, it's like, like um... Eight years later, Mana Leak's number one. I'm sorry, guys. It's still, it's still the best. <laughs> it, it's still fantastic. <laughs> no, but like... Um... The problem that, you know, without derating us too much, the problem that a card like Mana Leak putting into your format and counterspells a similar way, it actually makes your format, like your deck building in your format, to an extent less interesting, because the best card is so obvious. Like, why would you run any of the cancels with upside if you can run the cancel with the upside of being one mana less? Yeah. Right? So all the cards we've seen, like, disallow sinister sabotage neutralize maybe neutralize because cycling can be nice if you want to like, put like an excess number of counter spells in your deck just like sensor but a lot of counter spells would just stop seeing play if we got counter spell pretty much all the two mana ones maybe except for sensor for a similar reason to neutralize will just be gone if we get mana leak and it is all going to be mana leak and counter spell right let's say we get both of those Reman just goes in completely different decks generally. You can run it in control decks, but Reman is more of a tempo card mm. than it is a control card. Mono blue tempo comes back in the Pioneer because we get Remand. Oh man, imagine if we got Mana Leak and Counterspell. Mono blue tempo, hello! <laughs> God, I already fucking hated playing against that deck. <laughs> it's like cool, counter everything I do. Yep. Yep, fun. Yep, I'll just go to I'll just go to every tournament with four mystical dispute in my sideboard. No worries. <laughs> your opening hand is four mystical dispute, and you have one land, and you're like snap keep one island, four mystical dispute in my three color deck. Keep. Yep. <laughs> but Alex, don't you want to cast your? Nope, 
No. Nope. Keep. <laughs> because I don't want them to cast their cards either. As long as they don't cast cards, I'm good. <laughs> you counter their first four blue spells, and they're like, okay, uh, Stormwing, and, no, not Stormwing, it's uh, Siren Stormtamer, uh, and then they get all their creatures down anyway. They get Jin down. You're sitting there going like, I never drew a land. I never drew a fucking <laughs> land. <laughs> I kept a one-liner on the play. What did I do? <laughs> Too bad. I mean, if if you had your uh, your triumph with Grixis, it would be be better. That's what we need. We need the triumphs. This I I still wish this. That's what the set was. Was the the shards. Same. Uh. Uh, even though I do like where they generally took the schools, I would have had more fun with the shards. I mean, I, I particularly like what they did with Lorehold. The shards have so much unexplored. Like Lorehold, they knocked out of the park. I I, I like Lorehold. Uh, I like Prismari because it's very akin to Is it, but a lot of the art, especially, feels very different. I really like the music theme they went with, and they 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 did a very good job on it. All right, we have a handful of cards left. We just finished talking about Reject. Next, we have Culling Ritual. Speaking of going back to the schools and the Golgari Witherbloom, Culling Ritual, a four-mana sorcery. Destroy each non-land permanent with mana value two or less. Add black or green for each permanent destroyed this way. And the four mana is two and then Golgari colors, by the way. So a ritual type of board wipe, but it's also only mana value two or less. So, Alex, do you think this card is valuable enough to see play, even with the powerful effect of getting your mana back and essentially paying for itself and more, possibly, at the cost of only killing things two or less? This card is super good. Like, I feel like this card is really strong. Now, one already, like, mana value two or less. I think Luris is one of the most, like, there's so many Luris decks. Um... I can tell you from experience with playing a lot with Fatal Push, there's plenty of stuff to hit that's two mana uh, because I'm not revolting it very frequently. And this also hits enchantments, artifacts, all other dinky shit your opponent has lying around. Um, and just the idea that this could potentially, like, you could do something. I mean, you know, this is not a card that currently sees any play, but like playing a culling ritual on turn four, and then, like, dropping a Liliana the Last Hope on an empty board is, like, that type of thing is just nasty, right? Even something akin to, like, culling ritual your board and then heartless acting the card I couldn't kill because it was too big, like, even that's already great. Yeah, especially if the heartless act is paid for by the culling ritual. Yeah, uh, forcing your opponent to crack all the treasures they have, which is showing up in some of these decks. Uh, it wipes out all tokens. We generally see a reasonable amount of tokens in this set, at least, uh, being generated, which will all be swept up. Like, this, this is just a super powerful card. I have similar vibes to it, uh, but I'm much more convinced than what I said about Crush the Week in Kaldheim, where I feel like I don't know if this has a home. Uh, I'm more convinced this will, but I'm not sure this will have a home. But in the deck where it fits, it fits. Like, it's going to be so good. In the right meta, it's just going to be an incredibly powerful card. I mean, I know the order is kind of messed up, but like... Playing against Burn, sweep their board, play Kalidus. True. 
right? You'd obviously rather do it the other way around, but you know, you'd rather not risk it that they kill your Kalidus and then swing at you with their entire board. Like generating a lot of mana this way. I mean, also keep in mind that this counts your stuff too. It's not just what you sweep up with your opponent. So we're talking about like you eat all your opponent's stuff if they're playing like a Luris deck, except for Luris, of course. Then you play a powerful spell. You could even just have a lot of like Stitcher suppliers and tokens and, and other things lying around. And you sweep up that and your opponent's stuff, play like a Torment of Hillfire X equals 10. Like, yeah, this even that could work. Could be an interesting cyborg card in a deck like, uh, like imagine this in like Dredgel Stretch. Um, because it doesn't hit your prize amalgam, your haunted dead, your Gurmag Angors, if you're going that route kind of thing. And then if you're going against a smaller board or a Lurus deck, like you're saying, um, which by the way, Lurus is the number two creature played a pioneer as of right now at 21% of decks. Um, so there's a very good chance that you run into a deck that's meeting the criteria of this card, but yeah, not hitting your own prize amalgam, things like that, sleeping the board, swinging in. Um, and then if the stuff you do hit, you don't care. Your narc amoebas are just like gravy. You're... And you can even set this up in some ways. I mean, a, a deck that comes to mind, This, I mean, that deck's not good and this probably wouldn't even fit in it. But I'm thinking of like Dagger Burn, where it plays a card like Dowsing Dagger. It gives you a permanent, gives two permanents to your opponent that they never get to use because they're like 0-1 defenders and you're never attacking them. Um... That sets you up really well. Um, I can imagine you get like a lot of pests and like other weird tokens around, and this is how you ramp into like your Golgari dragon. Now, sure, you don't have as many light any lands to untap because you cheated this card into play, but th that's the type of place where I can see this working, and mainly because it works both ways. It can be good in a slow deck, sweeping up your opponent's stuff. Or you can set it up yourself, and then if your opponent has more stuff, it's just gravy. Yeah. I think this card definitely has a chance. I'm very curious to see where it ends up. Um, it looks really cool. I mean, there's also just... I, it takes a lot of effort, but there are very few cards in this format, especially without any other restrictions on it, that net you mana. Like, that's a thing that isn't very often used in Pioneer. There's very few cards that do it or they have heavy restrictions like Traverse the Ulven Path or something from Kaldheim, which nets you one mana, but you can only use it on creatures. Uh, Iron Crack Feats nets you one mana, but you can only use it on one more spell, and all the mana is red. This is more flexible, nets you, you can cast other spells afterwards. Uh, the, again, the mana is not restricted on what you can spend it on, and those are just all, all like a recipe for success. I agree. I mean... Like I said, this card is one of the more interesting cards in the set. Probably one of my favorites, just for flavor. And uh, did you see the um, the uh, the write up for this card that they did, or like the very quick like this is what the card was based off of, like what their idea was? No, I don't. Actually. They literally said on like on a little uh, paper though. Okay, card idea: Wither Bloom personified, like Wither and Bloom. Like the name of like the set. Oh yeah. So yeah, they they would have took apart like Wither, which is destroying it, and then Bloom with the mana, and that's that's how this this uh, came about. Fantastic card. Super cool, very flavorful, and it's it is great. Yeah, also just great design, by the way. 
Yeah. Because if we're talking like, how do you do rituals? This is how you do rituals in an interesting way. Yeah, nothing just like, here's free mana. Because it's not just, I cast card, I cast card and get more of stuff I already had. Yeah. Like, that's not the most interesting way to design it. Like, Dark Ritual is a very powerful card, but it's not interesting. One becomes three, okay. <laughs> this is potentially four becomes 12, but it's hard. Yeah. Like I said, you can work for it on your own end, too. Which is pretty cool. Also, speaking of... Oh, do you still want to say a thing about this card? I, I just want to say I say one last thing. Thank fucking God this doesn't exile. I'm so tired of random exile on sweepers getting stapled on. Like, please stop. I mean, that would... Because, like... At least flavor-wise, that wouldn't make sense at all. So... No. Nothing to bloom from if you exile it. Uh, yeah. Yeah. That's, but it's a good thing. So, speaking of math... You're going to have to do to see how much a ritual nets you. You know what you should never do in math, Brad? Uh, divide 22 by 7? I guess. It's divide by 0. <laughs> <laughs> it's when, you're, it's when, you're calcula- when your calculator says error and doesn't give you an answer, you have probably divided by 0. Or you're doing weird math where math is assigned a number. Uh, we had multiple... What? Math is always assigned a number. I mean, math like zero is actually not zero. Um, we had a type of math in uh, secondary school where I didn't do it because I'm not good enough at math for that because it seemed that math was boring as hell to me. And you had to like change the setup of your calculator. And if you said zero is, it would not give you zero back. It would be like zero is zero point zero 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 one five seven nine or something. It would like it would actually have a number assigned to zero, which I never understood. I was just told this. I was confused, and I was like, "Yeah, I'm not dabbling into this. Good luck." Uh, but anyway, you generally shouldn't divide by zero. The art is fantastic. The flavor text is great. Um, misery, inadequacy, failure. The common denominator is you, which is the 17th way of writing fuck you on a counter spell, which I do like. At least this one's interesting. Yeah, it's two and a blue for an instant. Return target spell or permanent with mana value one or greater to its owner's hand. And then you learn. So this is like generally like... There's very few zero mana spells. Like, crap, I can't bounce my opponent's Ornithopter. What am I going to do? Um, but obviously Menso doesn't hit tokens. Um, bouncing spells to someone's hand is interesting. We've seen it on a card like Unsubstantiate, uh, which is very similar to this. Um, works around uncounterable spells, which is always interesting. Coma. Um, coma. Uh, coma, Banefire... Carnage Tyrant, all those good friends of ye olden days. And that way, reminiscent of the card Commit, too. Yeah. Instead of getting the card advantage through, like... Well, like, Commit has the upside when it's a bounce. Commit is obviously works like a bounce spell, but it puts it back in your opponent's deck, which means it's actually not the card disadvantage that a bounce spell usually is. Here you pay one mana less, but you're gonna have to work to not get that card disadvantage through learning. Because if you rummage through the learn, you don't actually get card disadvantage. You just get card select, uh, actually get card advantage or card parity. Your opponent gets their card back, but you get some card selection. 
which you generally don't want. So you probably want to be plucking a lesson out of your sideboard. But Alex, what lesson are we plucking out of our sideboard? Haven't we seen that the majority of them are kind of meh? Yeah, that's the problem. Most of them suck. Um, there's a couple of noteworthy ones. Um, just to quickly name them and go over them. Uh, Academic Probation is the one where you can choose a card and they don't can't play it. Or choose a... Um, non-land permanent and they can't activate a block with it for one turn uh, sort of the um meddling mage for one turn type of thing there's containment breach which is like a disenchant for small things confront the past which is the planeswalker killing one or planeswalker reanimating one for that matter uh, reduce the memory uh, one white white which can exile any permanent but donate your opponent a spirit there's also one here that is introduction to annihilation which does the same thing but your opponent draws a card instead but it's colorless um, those are generally like the four lessons that I feel like are the better ones. But like most lessons, they are still super narrow. So if you're going to commit a lesson part of your sideboard, this card works. Otherwise, I wouldn't be too hot on it, but I do like it. It's very flexible. Yeah, it's definitely flexible. I mean, I, I honestly think the rummage part is decent enough on this kind of spell. I mean, the fact that it's three mana, where commit is four, that's usually what we kind of look at. You know, also things like Ashiox Erasure at four mana. Uh, do we even have a three mana on the... Oh, we do. We actually have a two mana on the stack. I've got Yeah, we've got unsubstantiate. Yeah. So, three mana with a little upside. I... I I think it could see play, but um, Unsubstantiate barely sees any play or almost doesn't at all. Well, what I like about this card, as opposed to Unsubstantiate, Unsubstantiate is very much a tempo card. Yeah. Um, We've occasionally seen it in decks like Spirits, Mono Blue Tempo, with a general purpose being to buy yourself a turn against Supreme Verdict. Uh, Like, that's where we've seen Unsubstantiate shine. I like this mainly as a card you can run in a control deck, kind of akin to Commit to Memory, and it gives you a catch-all, which is what I like about this card. Like, if you're playing in a um, Demir or Izzet or Grixis, I suppose, a control deck, you always have the problem where, like, if they play an enchantment or an artifact that I'm unprepared because they're not as common, I'm in trouble, Right, I I have a hard time dealing with this. They stick like some like clothes, for example, and ten turns later, I'm just gonna be dead. And I also have to punch through the life gain. I'm actually gonna be able to do that. I'm already at ten, so I'm dead in five turns. And then I like this as a catch-all. And then I can imagine you run one of this, maybe run two lessons that are reasonable, and you grab whichever one is best at that point. And if you really have to, you'll rummage instead. And that's where I like this card being different from Unsubstantiate because it goes in different decks. Yeah, I just think the fact that a lot of the lessons are really, really narrow is what hurts this card, or any learn cards for that matter. Um, I think the best ones are probably Academic Probation, the one that exiles, the, the double white exile, whatever, and then probably Confront the Past um, are the, the best ones to me. I like Introduction to Annihilation a little bit because it's colorless. So I know it's five mana, 
exile anything and your opponent draw, draws a card. But the fact that any deck can pluck that out of their sideboard uh, makes it so wide, right? There's such a wide array of decks that can run this. Even aggro decks, if the game goes a little longer, can reasonably get to five mana. And then having the ability to find that. I actually do really like environmental sciences. The two mana, uh, just any... Lay of the land. I, I do like that one a lot. I don't know if it's playable, but I like I like the fact that it gives it's colorless mana fixing. Yeah, that's nice. It's not green for a change. Yay! Which is uh, it, obviously January is green's thing, so I'm not surprised green always gets to do it. But yeah, divided by zero is definitely a card that is held back by the lessons being good, uh, being bad, because I feel like most lessons are kind of bad. Most learn cards are kind of bad. I do feel like this is one of the better learn cards. But there's just not enough good lessons to go with it. I do have a, a card I want to talk to you about real quick, though, um, that I don't think we've talked about yet. And it's a type of card that you have uh, grown to be very fond of, Alex. Your favorite type of design in Magic. It's the old-fashioned, should have been white, but for some reason it's blue. Resculpt. One and a blue. Instant speed. Exile, target artifact or creature. Its controller creates a 4-4 blue and red elemental creature token. Do you like it? This card is okay to me. Um, I mean, it's very strange, very strong. Um, it kind of follows what was Raven form? Yeah, which was three mana though, which was anything, right? Just not a permanent. No, uh, Raven form is also artifact or enchantment, but uh, creature or enchantment. Oh, okay. Uh, sorry, boop, creature or artifact. Gosh. Uh, blue still doesn't get to deal with enchantments except for bouncing them, luckily. But here you give your opponent a 4-4. Four, four. So it's not as much removal because you're definitely replacing a threat for a threat you're going to have to deal with soon enough. And in that way, I feel Resculpt is a little bit fairer. Um, again, getting rid of artifacts is something blue doesn't generally do. But blue is like the artifact color. Um, so I'm not as bothered by blue getting the ability to deal with artifacts. Because again, this 4-4 feels like a real upside. A 1-1 flyer doesn't. Yeah, the fact that the other one is just a 1-1 flyer. Like, oh no, my opponent is going to tickle me to death. And in seven turns, I'm going to have to deal with this. And this thing just punches you in the face in five turns. You just drop. Okay, but Alex, as someone who's played Shark Typhoon, you should know that those 1-1s over time can add up if they can't kill it. Yeah, except because you're also the one playing Shark Typhoon, so you just make a 2-2. Yeah. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> that's the problem. My 1-1 one, one is bigger. Before you can block your resculpt with a shark, that's going to take some time. I also kind of like this one because I have a Nimrus EDH deck, which is all about instant speed because you get a benefit whenever you cast your first spell on an opponent's turn. And I cut Leyline of Sanctity because I noticed there were only bar-like mana rocks. There were only three cards in my deck that weren't instant speeds or flash. But I was running Raven Form to do with artifacts and it was a sorcery and it bugged me to no end. And I was like, yes, now I've got it as an instant. <laughs> Hooray. And now you can play politics. You're like, oh wait, no, you can't. Never mind. Because are, they're not... Oh, that deck doesn't play politics. It says no to literally everyone at the table. True. <laughs> like, I do thing. No, you don't. Well, then I do think, no, no, no. 
<laughs> when we were playing, sometimes I'd be like, hey, could you please, please f***ing kill this other guy, though? Please <laughs> help. I changed the deck. I put in Rune Pike and uh, Rune Chanter Spike and uh, Black Blade Reforged. So now my 1-6 commander just becomes like a 15-15 and I kill people in commander with commander damage in two turns. And that's how I win now. I hate you. Hey, the difference was before I used to win with Misery because I would just tutor up a Notion Thief, cast the Time Twister effect, and everyone would be empty-handed. And I would have 21 cards in hand. 28. And I'd be like, you guys scoop now? And I, I changed the deck from doing that. But to wrap up the Strixhaven preview season... The last card we're going to talk about before heading into our top five later in this week is Rushed Rebirth. Now, Brad, this is a card you wanted to talk about. What does it do? It is a black and a green two mana instant speed spell. Choose target creature. When that creature dies this turn, search your library for a creature card with lesser mana value. Put it onto the the battlefield tapped, then shuffle. It is a reverse neoform slash uh, enigmatic incarnation. It goes down instead of going up in terms of the mana value. Though the reason I am so intrigued by this card is because Alex and I, you and I talked about this off cast already where we're like, your kind of thing is like, well, the fact that you go down is really awkward and like it, it can also kind of just, is it worth it? I feel like this card has potential to find a home where the value that it produces with something like Neoform or Enigmatic Incarnation, like together, um, is enough. I don't know what that is. There might be, maybe there's a combo you can do with this card. Um, it's just the card is too interesting and already has applications in which what it can go in or what it could work with in theory or that type of effect it can work with that I can't ignore it. And I feel like this this has to be able to do something somewhere but it's going to be really hard to figure out the best. Funny one, uh, Risen from our one of our admins pointed out for Modern, if you cast Rush Rebirth on a 4-drop and then Neoform it, you can get Deceiver Exarch and Kiki-Jiki. Obviously it doesn't work in, uh, in Pioneer, but I feel like that's a fun one. Um, my problem is just, and I understand it would be way too much like Neo, it would just be shit Neoform to an extent, I really wish the creature would, like, just die already. Like, you're relying on finding another way of killing this creature or having your opponent kill it, and it just makes it so clunky. Yeah. Like, a card that says whenever this creature dies, yeah, but what if it doesn't? And if it doesn't, this card literally doesn't do anything. It doesn't draw you a card. It doesn't make you a pest. It doesn't, it's just, like, just air, right? And that's what I really dislike about this card. And then obviously the fact that you're going down. Like the difference between Neoform is two mana, what you're grabbing, right? Your two drop becomes a one drop instead of a three drop. And generally, cards get better as their mana cost increases. Now, if you can find some awkward exception to this, that's where you can break this card. Where you're like, oh, no, 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 this, this, this like two drop actually going down into a one drop is an upside. Because, like, now I'm bringing, like, in a one-drop that usually says, like, you can't cast this card because X reason. Mm -hmm. And now you cheat that out. And if you find that way to sort of reverse how that works, that's 
that's how you break this card. I can imagine there's a creature that sacrifices itself for some sort of effect. Maybe there's like a... Like a three drop that says like... I mean, obviously this would be insane. But there's like some three drop that says like... I don't know, when this dies... Or like you can sacrifice this to uh, exile your library... And then you tag this, sack itself, find the fastest oracle, whatever, right? You can you can do something stupid with this. Uh, that wouldn't even work. But you can find like some strange way to have a creature sack itself for an effect, which sets up a combo with itself and another card. Like maybe. I just think it can. I just think there's something. I there like I said, it's gonna be awkward and it's gonna be really weird, but. It's going to be hard to find. Uh, if if I would have a... And I, I haven't yet, because I haven't looked into this card too much, because I've been very busy for the past few days since this has been spoiled, but I would look for a card that sacrifices itself and does something clunky, because you want to take, in order to make this like work as a deck, you want to run as little pieces as possible. And I wouldn't want to... If I'm going to make a combo with this or some sort of synergy with this, I do not want to have to add a way to kill this card, uh, the card you're tagging with this, to the pile. So I want a card that can sacrifice itself, does something when it dies, and whatever that thing is that it does can, like, set you up to do something interesting with another card, right? A card that says, like, sacrifice this, deal one damage is probably not going to be... Or, like, sacrifice this, draw a card is probably not going to be very interesting. But if you found, like, I don't know, sacrifice this, uh, return a creature card from your graveyard to your hand or something, and then you do that, and then you find something up, and then, like, you could set up a loop with something or whatever, like, that's the type of thing I would be looking for. We can do it. We can break it. Or, um, I mean, again, not the card that does something immediately interesting, but this is instant speed. So you can also look for a card that immediately dies as it enters the battlefield. In modern, you could think of like an evoke card. Uh, again, that doesn't work here, but like Shriek Maul. Shriek Maul is like uh, one on a black and you it enters the battlefield, but because it has evoke, it immediately dies. But I believe Shriek Maul is actually a five drop. So I think you do still get the ability to respond. I feel like that's what people are doing with Muldrifter, and you can have the Muldrifter, and then it, instead of immediately dying, you blink it or something like that. So, like, you could look for, like, Evoke creatures. Now, Evoke is a mechanic that's not in Pioneer, but I'm sure there are cards that have Evoke-style effects, like uh, Playcrafter, Flashback Marauder. Like, those type of cards work because it's instant speed, so trigger on the stack, put Rushed Rebirth on it, sacrifice it to its own effect. Those cards would work, too. You can play uh, Elder Fang Ritualist. There you go, Alex. This is going to your Golgari Elf deck. When Elder Fang Ritualist dies, return another target elf from your card or card from your graveyard to your hand. It's a 3 1 for 3. Yeah, but this doesn't kill itself. No. So that's the problem. This. And I mean, I, I know you're kind of memeing, but like, just to, to illustrate a point, this means that it requires you to run an additional sacrifice on it now we've had some good ones like village rights for example only one mana so that adds as well but what combo style deck i mean it doesn't have to be a combo deck but if you're building it in a combo way what 
combo deck wants to draw two cards that way. Unless there's like other creatures sacrificing early in the game and you're drawing through village rights and churning through your deck to set up this combo. So village rights is in your deck anyway. And then that could be the card. It's like, okay, so it's there to draw me cards and it's there to set off my combo. That could work too. Again, there's a lot of ways to go about this, but there's a lot of moving parts and... I would initially look for a deck with as little moving parts as possible because Saffron Olive is going to build the deck for you that has a lot of moving parts because that's what he does. So I would cut out the middleman, let Seth do his magic, and you try and actually build the best possible deck and not the most entertaining one to watch. <laughs> Unless that's your thing. You can. I wonder if there's a way... If you want to play... Is there? Did you watch the Against the Odds with Jund Modern, by the way? Just to like quickly touch on that. That was so funny. Like how he kept a straight face throughout that whole video was impressive. Or at least throughout the intro already. Like describing Tarmogoyf as like this terrible, weird card that like... <laughs> yeah, it's it's an 01. It's for two. Like it, the rate is bad. Uh, it grows. Maybe you get a lot of card types. Oh, you can you can get like a 3-4 for two mana. That's interesting. <laughs> I mean, it just made me happy looking at like, uh, like we was pulling up people's... Uh reviews of cards when they're spoiled it just shows you that you know looking at cards and predicting if they're going to be good or not is fucking difficult well not always you get you get cards like hogak and everyone's like what Ex the the liliana one was something like yeah at least malakir gatekeeper gives you a two two <laughs> uh yeah i don't think there's any card that can kill itself that also has a death ability or trigger ability. I'm looking, I've looked through all of Scryfall for Pioneer legal, legal cards. Well, obviously it could also do something with the card that you're then tutoring up. And it might have like a certain, I mean, a funny one with, oh no, that's a zero drop. It wouldn't work. I think like Walking Ballista. But like, um, I mean, again, this is an older card. It, this is, it doesn't exist in Pioneer, but like Triskelion is like a card that can kill itself. It's an artifact creature that goes to the graveyard. Maybe you can do something with the fact that it is an artifact creature. Uh, maybe you can have a card that says like, you know, it has like a certain power and toughness equal to some sort of condition. And then you put this card on it, you get rid of that condition. Maybe you're like, You've got one of these constructs, but you sacrifice all the treasures you have, so it becomes a zero zero because, well, in this case, it wouldn't count itself. But like again, that that's the type of things you have to start thinking about when you evaluate this card, which is what makes it nearly impossible to evaluate. Yeah, like what if there's a way you can sack like a three drop, and then like also neoform it or something, and you get like poison tip archer, and then maybe there's like a two mana creature that you can just do something where you just infinitely recycle itself, it dies and comes back, dies and comes back, and you get a one turn kill. Yeah, or maybe maybe you're talking like like scrap trawler type of things. Now we don't have mirror retriever, which would be the type of card that works very well with that one, but like there are so many like weird cards throughout magic's history you could maybe think of like adventures that you want to get like back to your hand somehow and then you could like rebuy effects and stuff. yeah I, I just keep thinking of something that something that happens with this combo where there's a card and a way the interaction works where you infinitely just reanimate it over and over and over again and something that pays off that but that's so hard to figure out this is a weird card but I think that's why I found it interesting and why I think it has a chance to be broken in some way. But then again, you could also just, you know, 
place solemnity. Okay, so whatever combo. So just just to give you an example of the type of card. Now this is this is not going to be good enough. I can tell you that. I don't even know what the hell you would pick up with this. But a card like uh, Atsokan Seer from Ixalan, uh that says sacrifice Atsokan Seer, return target dinosaur card from your graveyard to your hand. Now obviously the pixel it's a human druid that gets you a dinosaur like what but this is the type of card where you're thinking like okay so i'm gonna put this effect on it then sacrifice it that hits the bin now i can put up a dinosaur now hopefully you get a more interesting creature type you can you could start doing something with that maybe there's something to be found in zombies you've got got like relentless dead like that that's the type of stuff you want to be looking for a bane whip punisher from amon cat that like sacrifices itself and then destroys something uh then like destroys yeah destroys a card like it's all very weird but all very interesting oh is there oh is there a way to make harvest hand continually come back hmm that's the one that that's from uh shadows of innerstraw that it's the scarecrow that like becomes an becomes like a scythe uh when it dies and like if there's a way that you can make the scythe go back to being a, a scarecrow and then have it die again and also like an interesting one here uh catalyst elemental two in a red sacrifice catalyst elemental add red red uh put this card on it sacrifice this find a two drop that can utilize this red mana in some way um it's the type of card that could work again we could go about this on and on forever um i'll definitely try and have a look at this soon enough do the old inefficient scryfall search looking for way too many cards and uh and then what what always happens with me with this is like I'm reading through cards trying to figure out how to make this work. I find a card I didn't know was Pioneer Legal, and I'm like, this goes good in this other deck, though. Oh my god! And then I start brewing this other deck and forget about <laughs> this combo. But are there any other cards you want to go over before we wrap it up? No, I think this about concludes our uh, our school trip. Our exchange project has uh, has concluded for now. We can go back home and write our report on it, <laughs> which will be our top five. Hooray! And Adrian is doing his homework as well, and he's going to... I mean, we, we know what's going to happen. You and I are going to have some interesting cards where, like, this... They might be a bit more of a reach, although you're probably going to have, like, you know, all control cards. Removal dot deck. <laughs> I can kill things. Cool, cool. And then I'm like, I can play unplayable big things that maybe can be broken. You're like, yeah, that's cool. Adrian's like, I have efficient green three drop. Yeah. I have green beat down with collected company. And it's like, okay. Yeah. Right. He's got to put like that three, three troll on it that gets to become an eight, eight if you have eight lands. And like, it's somehow really good. <laughs> it's like, you can coco this. <laughs> Yeah, that one's in my consideration because it has trample, though. <laughs> like, I mean, that's really cool. Um, but I actually really think that my number one, because I already know what my number one is. Um, I think it's uh, I think it'll it's legit, and I'm gonna I'm gonna win this one. It's gonna be it's gonna be great. But uh, for those of you who've been listening throughout this entire rambling session of Alex and I's spoiler breakdown for the Strixhaven School of Witchcraft and Wizardry, not Harry Potter, by the way. Thank you. Thank you for joining us. And thank you for being here and sticking around. And we appreciate you more than you could ever know. 
to remind you all the dumb stuff out the door we are the official podcast of the playaway discord server if you want to play some paper magic whether it's with alex or myself or anyone else play the pioneer format legacy format popper format modern format any format you could possibly think of and maybe just maybe some other tcgs should some players have other decks lying around if it's pokemon Yu-Gi-Oh, whatever ask around see what happens hop in the description down below and join via, via the link and come into play and of course, we did not do mailbag this week, but you may want to hop in on the server and just be like, hey, guys, what do you think about this stuff? And it could be any question you could think of, whether it's magic or not, as long as it's not, you know, not safe for work, politically charged, you know, or just inappropriate in general. You can ask it away into the Discord server under the Pioneer Perspective mailbag option or even just DM myself or Alex. Speaking of which, Alex, where could they DM you or find any information you might have in that big brain of yours? Now, outside of Discord itself, uh, you can find me on Twitter at Disciple of Bolos. I check it multiple times a day generally. So if you ping me in something, you'll probably have a reply the next day, which sounds like... Uh, like I'm doing advertisement. Eh, we basically are. My Twitter is Bradcifer, B-R-A-D-C-I-F-E-R. It's Lucifer, but Brad, cool, whatever. That's also the same with my Twitch, Reddit, all that good stuff. We also have other podcasts. The Pioneer Perspective is not the only podcast that we have. We have Pondering Popper featuring Cali Kais and Diego. They are two wonderful people that are very knowledgeable about the Pioneer. I'm sorry, not Pioneer, though they do want to get into Pioneer. And they're trying to also try to get us into Popper. It's fun. Uh, but they're very knowledgeable on the Popper format. They've actually casted the Popper Invitational, just like Alex and I have been casting the Pioneer Invitational over on the Playaway server. Yeah, check them out. We also have merch. If you want to go get some inked gaming playmats, thanks for our affiliate in partnership with them. Go ahead and go on there. Links in the description. We got playmats. We got cool stuff. And uh, we'll add some more stuff later on. But of course, we love you. We thank you. You guys are amazing. We appreciate your support throughout the entire week or every week every month whatever i'm f-ing tired i'm sure alex is tired too because it's like 5 a.m over there so with all that being said bye bye alex is gonna go sleep i'm gonna go sleep and we love you we'll talk to you next week bye bye we love you guys good night